Hello ninjas and ninjas and welcome to another episode of the Exposure Ninja Digital Marketing Podcast. My name is Tim Cameron Kitchen and I'm Head Ninja at Exposure Ninja, which is a digital marketing agency based in the UK. In this episode, I'm joined by Steph Douglas from don'tbuyherflowers.com. Now, Steph launched Don't Buy Her Flowers on the back of a blog that she was running. So she built up the blog, built up an audience and then decided to start a business on the back of that. And in this episode, we talk about the process that she used to both build the blog audience and then build the business audience, including how she's done some pretty savvy stuff around influencer marketing and how social media is her main source of traffic. So some really interesting stuff there. And Steph takes us behind the scenes on how she's using her personality and her own personal brand to build the social followings of both her own blog and also don't buy her flowers. So really interesting and Steph has a fascinating story. If you'd like some help generating more leads and sales through your website, then I'd like to take a couple of minutes just to tell you a bit about Exposure Ninja. So we are a digital marketing agency and that means that we do digital marketing for businesses of all shapes and sizes around the world. So we've got a website team, an SEO team, digital PR team, pay-per-click team, social media team. So this is what we do for businesses of all shapes and sizes. Now, if you're interested in some free help to grow your business, then you can go to ExposureNinja.com forward slash review, fill in a few details about your business and we'll send you over a 20 minute video review of your website and your digital marketing, complete with a bespoke action plan that you can follow to increase the leads and sales that you're generating for your website. So it's really useful stuff. And I think you're going to find it really valuable if you're growing your business and want to generate some more leads and sales. Anyway, without further ado, let's get stuck into the show. Welcome to the show, Steph. Hello. How you doing? I'm doing very well, thank you. So for those who don't know you and don't know Don't Buy Her Flowers, perhaps you could give us a quick introduction into your background and what the site's all about. Okay, um, so I'm Steph Douglas and I uh, started the business in November 2014. This is Don't Buy Her Flowers. And the idea came when I had my first baby and I was sent lots of flowers. And I was kind of sitting on the sofa just feeling very emotional and overwhelmed and and all the rest of it and I just it struck me as bonkers that the go-to gift is flowers and and I had no idea that that was going to happen that they kept arriving and I we hadn't long been married I didn't have lots of vases I didn't have a big house and it just seemed really odd because actually what you need is a bit of looking after so that was when the kind idea started to form and that was six years ago or over six years ago when I had my first um, baby at the time, I was on maternity leave from my job in brand and marketing. Um, so I straight from uni, I'd worked in kind of PR and brand and marketing, worked on big national campaigns. And so I, I did go back to work after my first baby part-time. I did that twice, but the idea was forming. And so the idea was sort of gifts for new mums. So the idea of something that would be thoughtful, that would make them feel loved, and also, I was kind of a bit disillusioned with work. I, it, it was a real stress getting to and from the office, getting in t- there in time for pickups, and, and the kid would be sick or both kids would be sick and you've just gone back to work and then you're having to go, oh, sorry, I can't come in today. And it's just, so it was all kind of all came at once and um, everything kind of formed together that my background meant that I did understand brand and building a brand. So that kind of all really helped. And I had this idea and I knew I wanted to do something that was more flexible obviously running your own business isn't actually that flexible in that it never ends and it's really busy, but you are your own boss. So that started to really appeal. 
And so we launched as Gifts for New Mums, um, as I said, in November 2014. And then really quickly we had customers saying, oh, I'd like to send this for a birthday or I'd like to send this for Get Well or um, my friends just had a really rubbish week. Can we send it for those reasons? So the the brand kind of organically grew before we were almost ready for it because I hadn't anticipated that. that I thought we would have to proactively make that happen at some point further down the line. You know, we'd have two or three years focused on new mums and then we'd do it. But that happened straight away. So quite quickly, we've gone from, to kind of 50% uh, gifts for new mums and 50% are other just thoughtful gifts. So it's kind of a bigger market than we initially anticipated. Sure. So, okay, perfect. And and it's it basically, it's, it's alternative gifts for occasions when you would typically just default to buying someone flowers. Right? Yeah, yeah. And and the key thing I think our customers get from it, and, and it's, you know, key part of the brand is that they are thoughtful, you know, they're thought, everything's thought through, it's based on insight. So there's, a package that has a thermos mug in it along with biscuits and tea because when you have a baby you never get a hot cup of tea or there's <laughs> um, things like a care package which is all about having 10 minutes to sit down and a bit of time to yourself which works really well for new mums but also for someone who's had a rubbish week or you know even divorce you know we get people sending them packages for someone who's got divorced or whatever so it's all about someone giving you kind of a gift that's about I think you need this and you need a bit of TLC and you need some looking after. So give yourself a bit of time. It's that kind of thing. Yeah, really, really interesting. So and, and in the early days, you were using the blog to, to kind of promote the business, weren't you? So how did that start? And why did you start blogging originally? So the blog, when I'd gone back to work after my second baby, I knew I wanted to do the business. And I knew that I knew I had to go back to work. And it kind of helped, it made sense to me to go back, get back into my routine, get my brain back working, because I kind of felt a bit vacant after I'd had kids. But I, I starting a business, just going from n- never even having an inclination of starting a business or being entrepreneurial or anything like that, to starting a business just felt like such a massive leap. And at the time, there were quite a lot of, um, I was starting to see lots of bloggers. And obviously, even in the sort of three years since then, things have grown even more. But I thought if I can start a blog, if I can drive, you know, have the motivation and drive to start a blog, start having to work, you know, use social media other than just dabbling in Facebook, which is what I'd done before, and also build a website, um, it kind of felt like a stepping stone towards the business. So it was my one of my – I found when I started the business, I needed to give myself tasks like – if you just look at it and go, right, you need to start a business. It's so massive that it's it's too overwhelming. Whereas if I went, okay, by the end of February, you need to have started a blog and then you can think about what the next thing is. So the blog was like a, like I say, like a stepping stone, but actually it, it went really, really well. And um, I was writing kind of honest posts about fighting with my husband or feeling, you know, finding motherhood harder than I was anticipating. And I'm trying, there are some of them are kind of more serious and some of them are more funny, but I was getting kind of 20,000 organic views. And that came obviously from nothing because I I didn't have a big following or anything like that. And that gave me the confidence to start the business, to be honest. It was like, and my husband was saying, you you can do this. And I was identifying with all this big group of women who got me and and felt the same and so it kind of meant for me there was a a ready-made audience for the business and that other people would feel the same as me and that they wanted some TLC after they had a baby. So it kind of gave you the the confidence to say 
people people like my thing people like my personality and my style and what i have to say so maybe i could turn this into a business right? yeah and i and i really really enjoyed writing and it was something i did as a kid and then just hadn't done because i've been busy having fun and being a teenager and getting a job and all the rest of it so it was it was really nice to go back to and it's quite cathartic but also yeah i've ended up with this great network of other bloggers and writers and mums and so there was this huge network which meant that when I then launched probably about nine eight nine months after I'd started the blog the website crashed because we had this following already you know who who were all engaged and were really interested to see what was going on and things and then they got it they really you know they all shared the business really enthusiastically because they were like oh my god this would have been such a better gift when I had my baby so how did you make the transition from blogging to setting up the e-commerce store? So I, I quit my job probably about five months after I started the blog with obviously support from my family because I had, you know, it was a good job I had. And then I spent kind of five or so months and I'd already had started writing a business plan, that kind of thing, but I'm identifying products and what I would like to have in the packages. But then it was kind of getting to the nitty gritty, like what couriers are we going to use? What's that going to cost? What um, packaging do we need and getting that developed and design work and all that kind of thing. And so I had a few months just focused on all of that. And then we we were basically ready to go in November. But for a while, I was kind of ready and I had all the products and everything. And we started with just three packages. So I think we've got about 15 now and we have loads of different options and add-ons and you can really make a package your own. But at the time, we it was a bit sort of more focused. We were ready to go and I just held off for probably about a week, just not doing anything. <laughs> just that press and go feels really terrifying because it. I hadn't told that many people. I kept it really quiet because... I think when you start a business, everybody's got an opinion on, on what you're doing. And if you're, until you're really clear on what it is, it's quite nerve wracking and it can be quite distracting if someone goes, oh, have you thought about this? And have you thought about that? And also, you, I, you know, that first couple of years was all about building confidence. Now I feel very confident in the business and I know what works and I know that it works. But then if someone makes a suggestion, I probably would have been like oh yeah and actually considered it and been really distracted so when I launched it was quite a surprise to most people that I knew that yeah that I was doing anything and, and I was running it from my house so at that point it was just me and then my brother-in-law who has equity in the business and he's um he builds websites so he built our website which meant that we could have a, a much better website than I would have been able to afford to be honest I'm I'm just interested. I'm just curious. Do you think you were a good website client for him? Did <laughs> were you uh, compliant? Did you approve everything? Yeah. No, he he's he's happy. I think he has built a lot of websites, so it's been really interesting because I think when you start a business, you've got no concept of what's good or bad. Like you don't yeah. know what sales look good um, based on what you're spending at, or how you're marketing something. How is that translating to sales? And is that high? Is it low? And, and and so because he's worked on so many websites, he's been watching it, I think, with interest and kind of going, wow, okay, this is doing really well. So that's been quite nice to have that, um, to be able to reflect on that. Because as I say, I had no idea, especially at the beginning, what was a good number to be selling a week or anything like that. But yeah, he's pretty happy. I mean, it is getting more complicated. So, you know, the website's more, we've got lots of bespoke bits to it. It was essentially off the shelf, but he has done lots of coding and it gets more complicated every time we add a new package and have lots of options and, and things. 
that you can't do through, you know, I know lots of people who've got websites that, base, you know, that, uh, retail websites based on Spotify and stuff. Um, not Spotify, sorry. Shopify. Yeah, Shopify. But they're, they're limited, obviously, of what they can do. And so yeah. we, that, that's a massive benefit for what we can offer because it is much more complicated. But obviously that has its potential bugs and all the rest of it that we have to deal with or he has to deal with. Yeah, yeah. I can see you using WordPress, WooCommerce, and we build a lot of e-commerce sites using that. It's, yeah. Like you say, it gives you the flexibility to, to add that extra stuff if you need to. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought it was also really interesting what you said about that kind of hesitation that you had just before pressing go. It's something that we see a lot when we're building a site for a startup and, you know, everything goes really smoothly. And then that last couple of weeks when we're just kind of finalizing things and you can tell that there's this hesitation. It's like, I'm I'm about to be tested by the market, and that's quite scary, isn't it? So. Yeah, you, and you are really putting yourself out there, I think, because it's, everything's so public online. So, and you do, you know, as soon as someone goes, "Oh, this is a shit idea," you see somebody <laughs> saying that you're not hidden from it at all. Whereas if you had a shop, you know, it's different. But now I've under, I, I think the more risks we've taken, and they're not even really risks, but every step that we've made in the last kind of well two and a half years that could be a risk. So, like taking on packers. And then um, moving the business to new premises and taking on a full-time head of operations. Each stage, the business has really grown. It's really flourished when we've done that. So I'm learning now that each of those risks you just have to go with, even if you feel really hesitant. But I think when you first start, you've got nothing to compare. I suppose that's probably why you get entrepreneurial people who just keep doing it. Because once you've done it once, it's actually not so scary. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So... I just wanted to ask you about the, the site's traffic at the moment. Mm-hmm. How are you generating traffic? What are your, your main traffic sources right now? So it's mostly through social media. So we've got a good following on Instagram. So there's, we've got two accounts. So we've got the Don't Buy Her Flowers account, which is new. We only started that in kind of September time. And then I've got my own account as well, which I've got quite a big following on. And also Facebook and Twitter less so, but we've just taken on a social media manager actually who's working with us on, on all three because it's just so, there's so much and there's so much potential in this. And, and also I want it to be more strategic, whereas I think I, from the start, was just firing stuff off. But they, they do work for us. They really do drive traffic and also collaborations with other people. So we've got a great network of influencers who I've met in the last couple of years. A lot of them are women with businesses or books or blogs. And everyone's really supportive of each other. So you get a shout out every now and then. And for some of them, they've got such huge followers that that gets you another couple of thousand followers. And generally, their audiences are very similar. So they're always going to be people who are interested in what we're doing. You know, they're the gift buyers who are looking to buy something thoughtful, which is great. And then the other thing is, is PR. So we didn't have any marketing budget from the beginning. We didn't spend anything for quite some time. So it's PR, so writing with, you know, working with other bloggers, writing, doing interviews, um, obviously targeting kind of more traditional media. And so all of that has really helped not only for getting coverage, but also backlinks, uh, which has all helped our SEO. So that was kind of the plan, but mostly because we didn't have any money. Um, <laughs> and my old job was, is, was, you know, multi-million pound budgets and a lot of that went on advertising. And it's been really interesting for me because that we haven't, and we've done a tiny bit of Facebook advertising, which we do a bit more of now, but because we've got the budget, but when we didn't have any money, we weren't doing that. Really interesting that you mentioned the influencers and in, in your Instagram following. So you've got the, 
your personal Instagram, which is Steph underscore don't buy her flowers. And then you've got the main don't buy her flowers page, which is the new one that you mentioned, right? Yeah. So your personal Instagram is is a real mixture, but there's quite a lot of it's it's kind of like a blog, isn't it? It reminds me of a, yeah. I, I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing, but it reminds me of a mummy blog. <laughs> no. <laughs> I think, I think the mummy blog thing has changed quite a lot. I think there probably used to be um, mummy, more mummy blogs that painted a very positive, isn't life great crafting type picture. And actually I think there's more of a drive now for people to put kind of real life in there and that, engages people and I think it often makes people I get messages quite a lot from people just saying thanks for being really real which always I'm always like well I don't really know how else to be but I suppose it depends on what kind of person you are but that's that's very much who I I, I'm a terrible liar and I'm not you know I haven't really got time to sit and construct anything so you will see a picture of my washing hanging in the background and everything else and I suppose that's quite refreshing if people are used to seeing a really constructed feed. But yeah, it's a mixture. There's stuff about kids, there's stuff about relationships, there's stuff about clothes. It's, it's a real mixture. But I don't overthink it, and I don't, those aren't planned or scheduled or anything. It's just as it as yeah, it's more of a documentation. I suppose it is quite like a blog of whatever I'm doing at the time. And and this turns into business for Don't Buy Her Flowers because your typical follower is the typical buyer for don't buy her flowers right yeah we I mean it's been it's really interesting because I wouldn't have known that this would happen I suppose but we've got I think we've got nearly I've got nearly 30,000 followers on my Instagram and obviously a lot of them are women within the right age group who are buying gifts and everything else but I think people are interested in another woman who started a business but watching that journey from the beginning because a lot of the time you hear about I mean, I've go, been to lots and lots of talks and things like that, and it's it's the same women who were further down the line, their business is turning over millions of pounds, and you can't really relate to them. Like, it's impressive and it's inspirational, but it's you can't really relate to them, whereas seeing somebody who you've seen the pictures of them literally packing on their knees in their spare room, and then <laughs> seeing them going and getting new premises, and then you've seen each time they have a new member of staff. I suppose it's people are, people are really supportive which is lovely. So we kind of get that. But then we also have people will be following it because they're interested in following me, I guess. But then they'll also veer off on to don't buy her flowers. And then I'll get a message going, oh, I found you via your Instagram. But actually, I've now started using your even corporates as well. We had um, a big corporate, our corporate business is growing quite um, steadily. And so we're working with businesses who either want to buy our standard packages or they want something developed just for them. They might want their own packaging, branding and stuff like that. So that's been a really, again, another offshoot that we weren't necessarily expecting. But quite often I'll then speak to them and they'll be like, oh, I've got two kids and I follow you on Instagram and I found it really funny when your husband did this. So it's really weird, cross, like great, but it's a really strange crossover where you never quite know where those customers are coming from. Yeah, that's that's really cool. So, and and all of this has basically happened accidentally, right? Um, obviously, you have a marketing and branding background, so you have the the brand story and you have the the brand kind of very clear. But then, with your own channels, you're just you're just being yourself, aren't you? Being completely open. Yeah, I suppose there's a, the the key part of the business around the kind of thoughtfulness is that we are of a generation who are juggling 
a hell of a lot, men and women, and we're trying to quite often emulate like our own parents because they were our role models. That's all we kind of have known. But at the same time, we're also trying to be more equal at home or we're trying to have babies and work at the same time. And it, it's, quite, it's busy and there's a lot, a lot of anxiety, I think. And so I suppose the business is really fits for our time in that it's people being kind to each other and saying you're doing a good job. This, you know, quite often because you, you get um, a handwritten message tag in each package and the messages are so like really lovely to read because you'll get people going, you know, you're doing a great job, you're brilliant, don't ever question yourself and things like that. And it's just really lovely. They're just sending a package just to be nice. And so I think that that stems from the busy lives that we all lead, if that makes sense. So then it kind of fits that people then seeing how you're juggling Instagram or seeing how seeing how you're being real about how you feel, they're interested then in or more interested in buying from you, I guess. I think one of the benefits of being a small business is that you people can identify with you. And I suppose small businesses should use that because it's, it's something that you've got that a big business doesn't have. And big businesses have lots of benefits, especially including, you know, bigger budgets and everything. But I suppose if, if customers want to feel connected to you, if they've got a person behind a brand, it's a lot easier to do so. It feels like maybe we're in a second, you know, like a second phase of social media when the first phase was all about trying to appear bigger than you are and trying to give this appearance of, you know, huge global brands, even, you know, even the local plumber is trying to talk about all this stuff, which makes them sound all corporate and, and big. And then it feels like now a lot of the time when we're talking about bloggers and, and people who are who are building large social followings the honesty thing keeps coming up and not being afraid to show flaws and gary vaynerchuk's thing of, of document rather than create and just being open with the journey like you say that's something that a smaller business has which a large a larger corporation cannot compete with and it's just a strategy that they can't use think of like christmas ads and stuff that's what they're trying to create that kind of real feel of um, that emotional connection and and brands you know our business deals in empathy that's kind of core to it and that's for a successful brand having that emotional connection is is massive so yeah i, yeah, I think you're right i think it is a, a different phase i mean if you look at the, a couple of my friends who've got best selling books so you've got the unmumsy mum and hurrah for gin who both had best-selling books and there's a, a new one um or newer one matt coins a, a bloke a, a daddy blogger but i wouldn't call it he's very very funny there's a book called dummy and i think he hit the sunday times number one bestseller um recently they all are it's a similar style in that they're writing really honestly about um parenthood i mean i'm sure we're going to come on to the daily mail <laughs> Yes. <laughs> a couple of weeks ago. But yeah, that's that's where people are moving. It makes people feel more comfortable because, as I say, we are all juggling a lot of stuff and generally feeling like we're doing and cocking it all up and dropping lots of balls. And actually, if, if everyone was more honest, then that's where everyone's at, really. Just some people are better at presenting it a better front than others. Yeah. No, I love I love her Rafa Jen and I mentioned them. It's hilarious. <laughs> Do you think that that openness has... Um, made influencers more likely to want to shout out and want to share your stuff is that something that they've seen and said okay you know Steph's Steph's legit I feel like I want to help out rather than you having to approach them with some kind of strategic partnership yeah I've been really lucky because I think um because there's been this 
in this last couple of years, a lot of both bloggers and business um, women that I've met who are all trying to do the same thing, but they're, they're not conflicting because everyone's doing their own thing, but they're all trying to, you know, create a career that is flexible, that they are passionate about, that obviously pays some bills. And so they all get it. They all get that you work really hard. And so for that, just on that reason, I think there's this a real vibe of kind of sisterhood and people supporting each other, which is really lovely. And I think if as long as you give out as well, then it, it comes back. You know, I think that's that's one of the key things. I wouldn't be able to just sit there and contact people and go, can you promote my stuff, please, if I wasn't willing to talk about them and invest in them as well. You mentioned the Daily Mail piece and there's a saying, no such thing as bad PR, which I think is quite appropriate here. Maybe you could give us a bit of a, an overview for people who didn't see it and uh, then we can talk through your approach following that. Bloody, I haven't let, had people stop since then. I haven't had people stop mentioning it. So it sounds like everyone in the world has read it. <laughs> it's a bit bizarre. Um, so it was. I woke up one morning. I leave my phone downstairs in the morning beca- overnight because otherwise I'm constantly on it. So that's become like a real lesson in the last year. And I woke up, I went, so I got ready, went downstairs and picked up my phone and I had all these messages that just from people going, uh, oh, we still think you're wonderful. Don't worry about it. And one of my friends, I'm actually pregnant at the moment, and one of my friends said, um, I know you're quite emotional at the moment. I don't want you to read this until you've had a bit of time to breathe. And I, but I opened it, and basically it was, so it was all over Instagram, lots of people posting it and reposting it and very angry at the the author or journalist, um, if you call it that. And it was basically saying about, the article was entitled like Slummy Mummies, and there were a picture of four women. So what I've mentioned to them actually, so Sarah from the Mumsy Mum, Katie from Hurrah for Gin, uh, Clevy Telford, who actually um, works at Facebook, and me were pictured. And then the Scummy Mummies uh, comedy duo were also mentioned. And it kind of made out, I mean, some of it was vile, some of it was really critical, but it was saying that we're competing to be the crappiest mums and 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 there was a bit in there about, you know, some people can't have children, so actually we're all very selfish. And it was just about how awful we are. And they, but they hadn't, the journalist hadn't got in touch with any of us at all. Like everything that she'd used, pictures and, and quotes and everything else was taken either from our Instagram accounts or from one, they had used a quote from me that was from a blog I wrote three years ago about feeling really angry at my husband and going and standing on a street corner and smoking a pack of Marlboro Lights. And it was, you know, which makes me awful person. And but the article, that particular article was one of the ones that spurred me to quit my job because it went so nuts. And I was talking about the emotion that you feel and the anger you can feel at your partner when you've just had a baby. So it was a really honest blog that people really related to. So, but she'd just chosen one bit that just made me out to be very angry and horrible. <laughs> so anyway, the next thing that happened was um, the support we had. The, I think I had got about 4,000 new followers just on Instagram like that day and people were sharing it and were angry at the journalist. And I went on BBC World Service and did an interview about it and the Mirror did a piece report. And there was so much, so, so much feedback, but all of it just saying, what the hell is this? This article is so wrong and these women are really honest and and helping other people so yeah it was a really good thing and then we got sent gin and fish fingers by Audi which I thought was brilliant (laughs) 
and uh, Bird's Eye have contacted us about doing something with them in um, in a couple of weeks. So it's it's gone because there was a piece in the article about um, how we're so awful because we feed our kids fish fingers. So yeah, it was nuts, but it was it was really interesting because it was the the outcome was so the opposite of of what the piece kind of was saying. I think you know it's the Daily Mail and they wrote it for clicks basically. Yeah, that's super interesting. I actually did an interview with Vicky from Honest Mum. I don't know if you know her. Yeah, but yeah. There was a piece somewhere critiquing her and saying how ridiculous her fish finger sandwich recipe was. And she ended up doing some work with the fish finger company as well. So maybe there's a common fish finger thread here. <laughs> They're doing so well out of it. I think oh, it, was just, it was just really daft, but it was just so amazing that, that the support and the kind of anger from other women because... They're all just saying, but these, these people make me feel a bit better because this is normal. Yeah. So it was it was really interesting. And it wasn't definitely wasn't bad for business because I had lots and lots of people um, find out about me and the business via that. So it was good. Before you saw the positive feedback from people, were you scared for a second that this was all about to come crashing down? Do you know what? If it had been when I just started the business, I think I would have I used to feel really sick if I saw anything negative at all, like a physical reaction. I think, you know, you're always, if you run a, a business, a delivery business, there is going to be a percentage, however small, and it is small, of deliveries that go wrong, which actually is the courier's responsibility. But, but as the business owner and the business, you know, you have to fix it. And if, if we had an angry customer and the package had got lost, I would take it really, really personally. And I still do, you know, we fix things very quickly and we, come back with kindness uh, you know as much as we can when I as soon as I read it it was so so critical of us and also I know the three other girls that were in it and I know that how you know two of them are best-selling authors I know how how great they are and also we we might do an honest account of a shit day that we've had and needing to turn to gin at the end of it or whatever and giving the kids some sort of crap yellow dinner but we also all of us have written about the you know intense love that you have for your kids but they didn't mention that obviously in the article so I felt all right which I was quite surprised it was just such a ridiculous article that I didn't I didn't for a second think people would read it and believe it I'm sure there are some people somewhere who do but no one that I care about anyway yeah yeah that's the thing as I've mentioned but my confidence in the business and what we're doing has grown a lot in that two and a half years because it has to I think initially you take everything to heart and you've got to toughen up which I have done how do you balance the the kind of what's and all account that you give in your personal life with with the business obviously everything needs to be quite professional and delivering a quality service so how do you kind of make that connection how do you balance those two things i mean that was why we started the don't buy her flowers instagram account because my, my personal one will there'll be pictures of me on a friday having a gin and i and especially as the, this corporate market was growing i was like i don't think that's what people necessarily want to see but they can follow both and i suppose people are still interested in the fact that you can be a business person who still enjoys a, a gin on a friday but i think the the we are in in our service. We are very professional, and we're the i you know the the core of the business is about being thoughtful. And so, if we have a message from somebody saying, you know, I've got someone who's really ill in hospital, and I want to send them a package, we would never just reply and say, okay, this is how you do it. We would 
be a, a real person you know that's what our, our Hannah who, who manages our customer services is is that's what she does so she puts that emotion into it like, I'm really sorry to hear about your friend obviously we want to help you and that um that service I think if, if people continue to get that service as much you know everywhere that we can and we help people if they contact us and they want something specific um that that's the key bit so if I was looking a bit disheveled on Instagram and then people were getting a crap service and their packages aren't turning up and it was like then that would be different um but the business is professionally run and, and has been from the beginning even when it was small and I was doing it in my house it, it the service was always really important and I w- there's never an excuse to kind of just ignore someone's order and put it out a few days later like we always had timelines when things had to be done and we always had a website that managed all the stock and stuff for us that we're not running out of stock we're not running out of things if someone's trying to order something and that's that's all really key I think we we built it as more of a professional setup than it was if you see what I mean at the beginning so it was almost a it was almost we were envisaging it getting bigger so when there was a you know three orders a day we still were doing the same as we do now scaling that kind of personal service obviously you guys do a fair bit of email marketing don't you how do you make sure that that doesn't come across as just generic and automated? So we're quite careful on on emails. And I think one of the things that I didn't really know when we started, and I always assumed, you know, the CRM would be really important, but we don't do that many newsletters or emails. And I think because we've got the following we've got on, on social media, it's just become, and I, from a personal perspective, if I go camping and sign up to Caravan Weekly because I'm specifically buying something, but then get a message, you know, an email every couple of days from them, I feel annoyed about it. And quite often I don't unsubscribe. So then every time I see that, I just feel annoyed that I haven't unsubscribed yet. I haven't got round to it. And I'm really conscious that on social media, people are choosing to engage. So if they want to, if they've, if they've chosen to follow us, no one's been forced to follow us, um, then great. And so you're, you're and if they're communicating back with you and they're engaging and stuff, then that's down to them. Whereas sending them an email, sometimes it feels to me that it's a bit, in some ways it's a bit lazy and it's just like broadcasting. And one of the things that obviously social media shouldn't be is broadcasting. It's supposed to be a conversation, really. You get a lot of repeat business and not much of this is through email, right? It's just purely because people are following you on social and you're keeping in their mind that way. Yeah. And I think it's because they, they may be, you know, the different, we've got stuff on social and then we'll be, we'll have an article or we'll have a radio interview and there'll be different things. So they're seeing it in, in different places, but also they get a good service. So if the reaction, you know, our packages are often met with quite an emotional response especially when it's like a get well or bereavement or new mum, someone is that, you know, we get quite a lot of people crying and sort of saying, oh God, this was the first time that someone really thought about me and what I needed in those situations. So as long as we stay really true to that and we get those reactions, then not only does the customer who bought the package in the first place think, brilliant, I'll send that again because obviously it was received really well. You've also then got a potential customer in the person that received it. So it's kind of, and that word of mouth piece is really key for us, especially because you've got women, quite often they're at the school gates or at the nursery gates. 
And so they're they're talking and also they're going into work and saying, oh, I know what we should get for Joan's 60th. So it's because people have quite a, a response to it, they then want to tell other people. So that's that's working really well for us as well. And then they see it on social media and then a friend mentions it and that's kind of, that that's the growth, I think. Yeah, that's awesome. We, we've got to start wrapping up now, Steph, unfortunately. Um, but before we do, I just wanted to ask you, what do you wish that you had done sooner? I know Don't Buy Our Flowers hasn't been around, you know, ages, but what are the things that you've done which have really kind of transformed things and, and that you wish you'd started earlier? I think moving the business out of the house was has made a huge difference. So since so we did that in September 2016. So what's that, like eight, nine months ago? And we've doubled, uh, our monthly orders have doubled since then. And so... Wow. Yeah, which is and and we've had we've had a kind of doubling every year, but from year one to two, I think you kind of expect it, but year two to three for that to be happening again is brilliant. So, I I we maybe could have done that sooner, but I think the circumstances were right. Like I I I run the business from home for nearly two years, doing most of the stuff myself. I had girls that would come in and pack, but I was still dropping off the deliveries and there was still lots of stuff that I was doing, which means I really, really know the business. And I suppose that meant made it easier to then operationally bring someone else in who's then improved things and, and we're doing things differently and we're looking to add delivery to different countries as well. So it's kind of, there's loads of things that are scalable and we've added next day delivery, which I couldn't have done when we were running from home. And, and again, that probably has increased sales because people want things quicker. So, but I, I kind of think no regrets a bit. You know, I think it's everything's happened at, at the right time, probably. I just think sometimes I, it's that holding off from taking the next step when you probably should just get on and do it. Yeah, great point, great point. Awesome. Steph, this has been really, really fantastic and really interesting to, to hear the story of your growth. Where can people find out more about you and Don't Buy Her Flowers? Um, so if you search Don't Buy Flowers on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, we should come up. So that would be probably the easiest way. Or if you go to don'tbuyherflowers.com, that's our website. So everything's there. Perfect. Thank you so much, Steph. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Thank you. Bye.